Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood, and I am the exhibition coordinator for Marking Time, as well as the lead archivist for a Marking Time project called Archiving Marking Time. Um, we are working with artists associated with Marking Time to archive their materials, and the exhibition is slated to open at Brown University on uh, September 16th. So if you're in Providence, Rhode Island, or around thereabouts, have a look at the exhibition. Cool. Hi, I'm Seth Rodney. I am uh, the former senior editor, or senior critic and uh, opinions editor at Hypoallergic, now freelance arts writer, and um, co-curating a show which will open up at... Uh, San Francisco MoMA in April of 2024. We haven't figured out a real title for it yet. Maybe Art in the Outfield, maybe Bring Your A-Game. It's about sports and art. We'll see. Um, And I'm speaking to you from Newburgh, New York. Just dunk with an exclamation point. That's what (laughs) What's a popular sports thing that sports people say? What are sports? (laughs) Uh, This is to remind our listeners that we Practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. And today we're going to talk about um, two things that we are grateful for. Uh, Mm. You know, I I took the 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 prompt. I think Seth had actually uh, suggested this one uh, to be grateful for, like at in this day and age, basically, right? Is that is that the tenor of it, Seth? Did I get that right? Well, I think I think the way I actually uh, formulated it was was slightly different. Let me let me see. I just want to go. I think I said something. I think it's more personal. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. I said was it personal. I, no, no, no. It was two reasons to celebrate being alive right now. Oh. Okay. Yeah, so the right now is what made me think of, yeah. you know, like in 2022 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's what we'll talk about today. Um, Steven, Seth? <laughs> well, I got the assignment wrong, so I have to figure out what I'm going to say now. So, Seth, if you want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I, I thought about it over breakfast, and uh, and I thought... When I started the process, that it would take me a while to get to something. Uh, I'm, I am. Um, it's a reason to celebrate being alive right now, mm-hmm. and and it didn't. It took me about mm-hmm. a minute, mm-hmm. uh, and I realized that the, mm-hmm. for me, the, the the two basic things that have kind of been a running thread through my life for the past few years, and that's my friendships. Uh, that's that's a really reason for me to celebrate being alive. I mean, I'm not. You all know this, and probably a lot of the rest listeners do as well. That I'm not super gung ho about the human race. Uh, <laughs> not no. not that much of a fan. Not no. really. <laughs> but but the people who I've formed uh, close friendships with have been for me very. Um, very much a reason to stay on the planet okay. because because uh, mm-hmm. I find the conversations and the interactions with them to be very to be um, restorative in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually saying this to K- uh, Katie Siegel. So Katie Siegel is one of 
the co-curator. It's really she's the she's the besides Chris Bedford, who's leading SF MoMA, she's really the leading um, curator on the project. She has a lot mm. of experience doing this. Um, Katie mm. Siegel used to be, um, I think, the chief curator at Baltimore Museum of Art. Mm-hmm. Um, she and I were talking about the show. We, I went down to her apartment in Red Hook, and we spent a few hours just like going through themes and figuring out the structures and mm-hmm. and what we really wanted to have in the show and, and commissions and la la la. And uh, towards the end of it, um, we both admitted to each other that, that, that the time that we just spent seemed to be time really well spent. And it was, mm. felt, it felt like we really got a, a lot of work done and just got a lot of clarity on the project. And I said to her, yeah, you know, actually most of the time, because I'm, I've, I'm figured out I'm an introvert. I feel like most of the time I give out a lot of energy, but I don't get much back. Like, it's just okay. like I spend the coins and then I don't, I don't kind of get those restored to me until I go home and I'm by myself and I go to sleep. Uh, okay. Uh, and, and I said, but sometimes every, every, every now and again, I have an interaction where I feel like I'm, I'm getting energy as well. Like mm-hmm. I'm being in some ways revived being encouraged, being enlivened. And I felt that way uh, working with Katie on the show. It was, it was definitely different from most of my uh-huh. um, day-to-day, work-related or not, interactions. And then the second thing is kind of super obvious because it's the thing I've built my life around. It's, it's mm-hmm. art. It's mm-hmm. art. It's art making. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, being able to actually, I had a, I had a conversation with somebody else when I was at Chautauqua um, a couple weeks ago. Um, um, for those who don't know, I was asked to uh, be a visiting critic, I guess, um, um, at Chautauqua. I was uh, invited by Sharon Loudon, who runs the artist residency program. And I had a bunch of studio visits to do, and I did a held a uh, workshop on storytelling. And one of the conversations I had while at Chautauqua was with one of the resident artists. And um, I talked with actually that's not true. Wow, I just messed that up. No, I'm thinking of someone entirely different. Actually, I was having mm-hmm. a conversation with Allison Elizabeth Taylor. Who is an artist that does marketry? She shows with James Cohen, and she's a wonderful mm-hmm. person. And we were talking. We had dinner with her husband, and we were talking about how. And apologies for that, like really roundabout way to get to this story. <laughs> I just like the, 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 the synapses just weren't lining up. I'm sorry, but um, we were talking about the first time we went to a museum and we saw art on the walls. And that sense of wonder, a sense of like adventure, that sense of, mm-hmm. oh, oh, wow, I don't know what's going to be around this corner, but I can't wait to see. It's something that we both still look for when we go mm-hmm. to a museum and gallery. Like there's mm-hmm. still a sense after all this motherfucking time and the PhD and endless conversations with people about mm-hmm. their their practice and what they want out of the world and their vision. Like, you know, the, 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 the conversations can be really 
very kind of navel gazing and mm-hmm. taxing. Okay. But but I still go to museums with that kind of sense of like, wow, I wonder what's around the next corner. Mm-hmm. Like okay. I wonder what's going to happen when I see this work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 it is a reason to celebrate being around right now. I mean, there's, sure. there's a lot of stuff that I, I see I do not like. It makes no sense to me. But um, every now and again, there is a human being out there who will make something who will, that will genuinely surprise and delight me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, so, yeah. Those two things. Yeah. What was the last thing you saw at a museum that um, surprised or delighted you? Mm. That's a good question. Yeah, the last thing. Let me see. Um, ooh, well, so this is probably not the last thing, but it, it's, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming to mind because um, I know it's hard to actually place something in time yeah. and space that way. I know, I get it. It's, no, no, but it's fine. Know, but it's fine. But I love yeah. talking about this woman. Uh, her name is Wangechi Mutu. Mm-hmm. And she is um, uh, Kenyan. Um, she splits her time, I think, between Nairobi, I think that's right, and, and Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And she had a huge commission for the Met Museum a couple of years ago. Uh, she placed some, um, some um, large sculptures. I mean, really, they look like statues, mm-hmm. um, kind of. Afrofuturistic in the creches, I guess that's how you say it, the plural, um, out, right outside the main entrance of the Met Museum. And I'm doing like mm-hmm. this with my hands because I'm picturing like the two, mm-hmm. well, I know, maybe three creches. Um, mm-hmm. but I think there were two main ones. Anyway, she also had a recent commission at Grounds for, am I, no, Storm King, Storm King, not Grounds for Sculpture, St- Storm King, very, two very different places, Storm King where she had installed some pieces that she had previously made the previous year, I want to say 2021. And I'd seen a couple of them in a gallery in Chelsea. The, the, the images are just, they're just so strange and beguiling. Like there's mm-hmm. one, I'll just try to, it's, it looks like, oh my God. Like if someone were sort of doing the set design, no, yeah, sort of trying to um, do the, um, what do you call it when you storyboard, when you storyboard mm-hmm. a, a film uh-huh. and they were doing some kind of mashup of Aquaman and Black Panther. Mm-hmm. There's a woman mm-hmm. on a kind of alligator and they're all made and, they, and, they, and they, both of them are sort of formed oh, of this wow. sort of sin, sinewy kind of steel stru- structure, mm-hmm. but they're bonded together and the woman's face kind of looks alien and say, you know, those big eyes and they're sort of pointed chin Mm -hmm. and she's kind of melding into the body of the thing that she's writing it's not a gator it's like a lizard or something like that and it's she looks like a warrior but she and she looks semi-human but not fully like it's just so alien and strange and kind of futuristic Mm. and prehistoric at the same time it's like Mm. when i talk with my yeah yeah for sure i talk with my friend jamel Wright about um, about her, we were, you know, both like, oh my God, yeah, she's so great. And Jamel's like, I wonder what she dreams about because oh. her artwork mm. is so astonishing. Nice. It's just look her up, Wangechi Mutu, M U T U. Um, she's, yeah, she's, that's someone who will surprise you. 
for great. sure. Nice. Great. That sounds beautiful. And great description too. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Steven, do you do you want to you, did you finish your homework while we while Steph was going? <laughs> wow, it was hilarious. I was like, so like what the what the fuck? <laughs> but it was good though because it gave me a couple minutes, and and I I often say that I'm surrounded by people who think really quick on their feet. Um, but this was easy to kind of work out because the first two things that came to mind to, to celebrate living in this age would be the internet, and for me, living in New York City. And so, mm. so those are the sort of general things. Mm. First, I, my first two things were more personal. It was my friends and chosen friends and uh, my chosen family, my um, biological family. And then also um, being, trying to be a man of letters, you know, and at this mm. time, mm-hmm. right. And mm-hmm. chasing down ideas and thoughts and stuff that excites me, you know, definitely with mm-hmm. my own thoughts, but also people who I admire. So, but anyway, the internet, I think, the internet has been so good to me. I mean, I know that it is chock with misinformation. I know that it is constantly trying to sell me something. I know it is collecting my data as we speak. I know all these things, but... <laughs> but I still love it anyway. <laughs> I love it. It's an abusive partner that I'm just going to stay with until I die. It just feels like... So I think being... Having so much access to the different kinds of writers and thinkers and ideas that that um, preoccupied me or obsessed me. That's, mm-hmm. I love it. It's like, you know, it's a library in the home. I remember one day a friend of mine and I were talking about something. He asked me a question. I said, like, hold on. And I looked it up and he goes, that's the way you should use the internet. And I was like, um, but I was also on Facebook a minute ago. I'm okay with that too. <laughs> and Instagram and whatever else I feel like I want to be on because I'm making a choice about how I want to engage, right? And so I love it. I love it that it's brought me a lot of um, success and access to, um, I, w- mm-hmm. I wrote columns for different um, news outlets, I mean, entertainment outlets. I've also um, worked the work with the Schomburg Center, being able to direct people to different resources really excites me as an archivist, but also as a curator. These things really excite me about being in living in this information age, despite all the complications, mm-hmm. despite all the complications and the nuances of it. I wouldn't trade this time for the world. I really, really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I guess mm-hmm. the second thing that I really, really love and that I um, celebrate, and I think I celebrate on a daily basis, even though I might complain about it from time to time, because that's what you do. It's New York City. I've never lived anywhere else where I feel loved like New York City, where mm-hmm. this 16 miles of violence that at times I don't leave <laughs> because a lot of what I get, a lot of my needs are met sometimes in Harlem or at least in Manhattan. But I love traveling. I love leaving New York and I love coming back. After my father passed, mm-hmm. I needed to be home. And I realized this initially I was going to say my apartment, but it's really my apartment in New York City because I've had decent mm-hmm. apartments in Ohio and in Atlanta. But I like the mm-hmm. architecture of New York City. I like the flow, the energy. I like the people, sidewalk culture, the food, the culture, museums, um, how easy it is to navigate. Um, I, two, actually, yeah, two weeks ago, I had what was called a Brazil week. Two um, friends of a friend from Brazil mm-hmm. came to New York City, mm-hmm. two different guys, hung out with them, got to know them. Both of them are artists and thinkers. One, um, his name is Yuri Cruz, and he is a conceptual artist and historian. Was able to engage in his work and walk over this, all over this, <laughs> not all over the city with him, but over the city with him. And then there's Hetor, um, 
Hator, I'm sorry about your last name. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm just going to say Hator. Hator, who was recently a Brazilian who was um, asked to curate Urban World, which is this black film festival in uh, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And he was um, going back between Philadelphia and New York City. I met him and both of them, when I first met them, you know, before that, we just in, uh, were exchanging over, um, we were just emailing each other and talking. And when I met them, it was nice big hugs. Both of them love to eat like me in terms of just like, don't you love good food? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> aren't you disappointed when it's terrible? You know, <laughs> and it's like, I need to be around people who, who love things and it's on their body and it's in their energy and it's in their work. Right. And so mm-hmm. learning about both of their works uh, was really awesome. And then one of my best friend's husbands got citizenship and he's Brazilian as well. So in that week, I feel like I couldn't do that in Ohio. I feel like mm. Atlanta, mm. I don't mm. think so. Not, I, the, Atlanta I, <laughs> the Atlanta I was in was very cliquish and very about, you know, where's your money? Show it to me. <laughs> mm. um, and then as mm. far as DC, I didn't have... I'm m- pretty sure there are parts of New York like that, too. Oh, no. Dude, <laughs> 57th Street Billionaires Row? Please. Inter- one of the entertainment capitals of the world where your looks mean most everything and... No, absolutely not. No, it's just that that's, those aren't the circles I run in here. And when those people are around, yeah, I, get I get anthropological and I'm like, mm. what makes you you? Why do you love you so much? Oh, my mm. God, let's all take pictures with you. You know, so. <laughs> you know but you know, I have to say, Stephen, sorry to interrupt your sure. um, no worries. story, but this is one of the things I most like and respect about you is that you very much pick your community. And mm-hmm. talk mm. really eloquently about the people who excite you, who inspire you, who make you want to get up in the morning and go for walks with them and mm-hmm. reach out to them on the via email and read their writings and share their writings. Like totally do like like you know you're a very sort of um, in a way uh, um, um, normal typical human being in that way, mm. but. What is atypical about you and what I really admire is that when you do encounter these other groups, you know you don't want to be a part of. You are not interested in being that part part of that New York that or the kind of show me your money people. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And which I've definitely experienced um um in ways way bad and way good. Mm-hmm. Um you don't do the thing where you're like where you immediately start bad mouthing them. Like you don't start, you don't say, start the conversation with, and here's why I don't like people like that. You just say, mm. you as you say, you get anthropological. So you take a, a you take a step back and you're like, okay, let me let me ask some questions about why you like this life. Like, what is it about this life that is that is pleasing you or or making you feel like it is worthwhile? Like, mm. what what is it that's making you tick? So you. It, I mean, I, I think that the, especially in our culture now, the go-to move is to judge someone else for their perceived mm. um, um, difference or inconsistencies. Yeah, or difference or just plain different. But you don't do that. Like you actually refrain from judgment. And I appreciate that. Well, you, thank you. Because you didn't meet that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't meet that okay. anxiety-ridden, okay. insecure. You didn't meet that guy. Uh, and, right. and the guy is, you know, he helped build this guy because mm. I realized I couldn't take people for their face value. That's in general, in general. Mm-hmm. On my best days, um, everybody's my friend. Mm. Everybody. 
And on my worst days, I'm like, oh, God, if Christianity was never practiced on earth ever again, <laughs> it still wouldn't satisfy me because I want the rest of these religions gone too. So it's like, right, so, right. but I think overall I'm around people who demonstrate an ethic of care that's admirable and also worthy of worthy mm. of emulating and also like it's too easy to write people off it's just too mm. easy and i think mm. you know the notion of cancellation culture and the notion of um these people want your land and therefore you don't deserve to exist i'm mm. trying to hear something that and i'm trying to be present with people in ways that I would want them not just to be present with me, but with my mom or with Travis or with, mm -hmm. you know, my kid mm -hmm. or with Carla or mm -hmm. with someone who's homeless or someone who had a lot of money, but to be mm -hmm. present. So that's, that's my human project. I think is really learning how to do that because I can be extremely um, existential and um, rabidly atheist. <laughs> so when people, God bless you. I'm like, okay. You know, your father's an ancestor now. Technically, I don't know what that means for you, but <laughs> is he coming over tonight to talk to me? <laughs> you know, so, I mean, <laughs> there's a woman I told recently, she walked over to me, she says, how are you doing? And I'm, I'm still in, in, a, in, a, in a fairly foggy, depressive state right now. And so when Seth suggested this, immediately I went, oh, great, I can focus my attention on some stuff that I like. And that brings me joy. <clears throat> and so I was speaking with her and she goes, how are you doing? And I said, um, well, my father died. And I showed her the, um, I've been carrying around my father's you know, funeral program. And she's like, thank you for being honest. And I was like, yeah, I, I appreciate you asking. And also that I was present with myself enough not to go, fine. Bye. Yeah. Have, yeah. A, great, have a great day. No, I feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I thought about, I thought about you the other day in relation to, your dad and, you know, grief. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, when we were getting, you know, obviously we have the podcast and I was, I was thinking, you know, it's a, it's a tricky thing to negotiate because on one hand, like, of course you're still grieving mm -hmm. and you know, the people around you, even who are close to you, you know, think to ask about that grief, you know, for a week, you know, two <laughs> weeks, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, like, and, you know, <laughs> it's sort of present the for them, but then yeah. of course it, yeah, of, of course it stops being present for them because it's not their father and it's not right. their, you know, their familial relation. Well said. And so, but then at the same time, <laughs> you, you also don't want to be irritating about it because, you know, like you don't necessarily want to always bring it up for you. Like, you know, the grief is really kind of a private thing. Like no one. Yeah can really enter into that grief with you because that's your father, uh, well even, said. even your family mm -hmm. who you're close to. Um, so anyway, I just thought about that in, in this, it's such a, a weird space to navigate for this like indeterminate amount of time for you. Like this might be months. It might be, you know, I just, I don't know. Anyway, they just, I had thought no, about that. I really, really appreciate that because I have a couple of things I'm trying to get out of. And I actually thought, you know, maybe I should tell them I have COVID because I didn't want to go <laughs> and sit with them. And how are you doing? And have to sort of endure mm -hmm. that kind of questioning when I'm like, uh, I looked at my conversation back or I have my Seth's um, 
gold coins yeah. of converse engagement and there's really it's empty there's a hole in the bag and i have nothing to say <laughs> in fact if anything right, right, right. everything you tell me i want to make some smart comment about and that's not what you deserve because you're actually coming out of a good space right. you know but i saw myself walking in in a black dress and a veil sitting down going how's everybody <laughs> and that would be the end of the skit <laughs> But um, no, you, you have to my, Monty Python. Yeah. Yes. You have to walk it alone. And again, it's yeah, it's just been hard for the last couple of weeks. And so mm. one last thing before I ask you, Tra- Travis, because I want to know what you're, what you're thinking, is that there's a film that everyone hated and it was called Glitter. It was the Mariah Carey film that bombed for a number of reasons and actually was released on September 11th, <laughs> 2001. And, oh, and it's so, not, so, Stephen. You, you sorry, you dropped out for a second. What was the name of the film? Sorry, the name of the film is Glitter, starring Mariah Carey. You've heard oh, of it? Oh, right, I remember oh, that. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah. So, Carla and I went to go see it because um, we were just trying to steady our brains during that time, I guess, and was looking. You know, the it's funny because the Twin Towers appears in the film, and people were clapping for the Twin Towers. But the, oh, wow. the point uh-huh. of the film I want to draw you to is that Mariah Carey has this manager, boyfriend, and he gets killed just before she's about to go on stage and make this big singing thing, right? And what cracks me up is like, so the woman goes, I'm sorry, I think her name is Billy. I'm sorry, Billy, but such and such is dead. And then I go, but can you get ready? Because the show starts in about five minutes. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's how I feel about grief <laughs> sometimes. I feel yeah. like, you know, Stephen, I'm yeah. really sorry. But listen, I need you to finish this. <laughs> and I go, okay, got it. <laughs> Just don't even say the first part. Just say the second part. <laughs> I'm good. You right. know, but Travis, uh, I don't want to. I don't let's let Travis get in here. What do you typically say? Yeah, okay. I want to give I want to give uh, Travis a chance yeah. to say something. Uh, yeah, because I've been talking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I didn't uh, take it for uh, personal things. Um, mm-hmm. Although my list would probably look very similar to yours, which would be friendships and family uh, for me. Um, I I took it to be you know kind of a, a general historical question, mm-hmm. or you know sort of a present question, you know, like kind of this time and place. Um, and I think for me, uh, the two things are, are pretty tightly intertwined. Um, the first one is that I'm grateful to live in a time and place where it is the default position amongst a large percentage of the population that men and women are the same regardless of their race, gender, identity, nationality, religious affiliation, whatever e.g. you want, whatever adjectives we use that we append to ourselves, you know, being humans that are, you know, born and have a brief life, um, that it's the norm for a pretty, you know, serious portion of the population to understand that all of those things are incidental to someone's value or worth. That is absolutely anomalous in the history of the world. Like Mm. totally, completely bizarre. Uh, Not something that existed, you know, I mean, certainly enshrined in some of the founding documentation of this country, but not in any, not even remotely enabled until the civil rights movement in in the Mm. middle half of the 20th century. 
And even then, a very long struggle to get to the other side of that. And we're still not on the other side of that. I understand that. But but at this point in time mm-hmm. in the United States, you you could not associate in polite society of either political persuasion and and uh, and argue loudly and forcefully that a certain group of people are beneath you right i'm not saying that people don't still have those beliefs of course they do but that but mm-hmm. that it's really just it's it would certainly be impolitic and impolite to to say something like that that is an amazing thing absolutely yeah. amazing yeah i I, would um, agree, I agree with you i totally agree with you on that there's a way in which by hook or by crook we've formed a culture where we've mainstreamed a kind of uh Wow, I don't want to use this word, but that's what showed up in my head. Catholic kind of acceptance. Mm. Like, like, yeah, like yeah. We've, we've made yeah. it, we've made it, we've completely normalized precisely that attitude. Like you, like you just, it, it would, it looks weird now to say, Oh, this person, I wouldn't associate with them because they're blah, blah, blah. Like yeah, it's just whatever. It's just, right. It's just yeah. weird. Um, and clearly our institutions and our laws and whatever, you know, lots of work to do there. But this is also weird in the world, right? Mm. So I know Europe mm. gets all these, you know, all these bones are made amongst progressives about how great it is in Europe. Mm. Super, super racist society. <laughs> I mean, societies, plural. Um, I was about uh, to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Societies um, towards a variety of, you know, you definitely, um, you know, if you were to talk to my German relatives, you could not get a polite word about the French or the Turks, for example. Um, I mean, and totally normal, like not, not something that they like whisper under their breath. Right. I mean, this is just like something that absolutely uh, yeah, yeah. would be talked about unapologetically. Um, and, and that's most of the world. And then expect you so to I feel incredibly grateful. Yeah. Then expect was you, then I was just thinking, then they expect you to, you know what I mean about the French, right? Right. And your face is kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. like the what, right. Or the Turks or what? And you're like, I just kind of right. want well, my croissant. Is that okay? People play, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's telling it's because the films are good. It's films are good records of that, mm. of that, what you just described. Sorry, Seth. Yeah. yeah, no, 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 no. I, yeah, well, I want to just add that it's it's interesting is a weasel word. I hate that. I hate using that word to start off anything. But uh, I want to say rather it's 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 curious that um, when people express these racist, genderist attitudes out loud, mm. how they often want your buy-in. Oh yeah, like, like, you oh, know what yeah. you know what I mean, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you get you get me when I talk. You know what I mean about the French, but you know right? What I mean, right? Were, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, fucker. <laughs> what? And what bothers me about a racist? I want a racist or a sexist or a homophobe to just stand on principle. They don't need anyone, right? If this is your actual belief, exactly. like if you're a religious exactly. person, why do you need me to believe what you fucking believe? Why? Right. I can yeah. give you space for it, but like, I don't have to believe it, right? Like, no, no, I need you on the, I need you in the car and driving along with me. Like, oh, gross. And, and yeah. Ricky, Ricky Gervais said something really funny about um, atheists and how they get treated by everyone else. He's like, look, look, look at, look, let's think about it. He said, like, look at Christians. So they believe in one God. 
just the one almighty God, right? Right. Mm-hmm. There are about 3,000 other, or 2,999 other gods <coughs> you could believe in. Mm-hmm. So basically, I just believe in one less God <laughs> than, than you do. <laughs> but you want to ostracize the shit out of me <laughs> for being an atheist. I like just one more. Just one more. That's it. That's just one more. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So, yeah. Travis, did you have two things or did you already say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my second. <clears throat> no, my second one is also the Internet um, mm-hmm. for uh, reasons similar to yours, I think. Um but also uh, maybe slightly more mischievous um, mm-hmm. because so I, I appreciate it for all the reasons that you mentioned. Um, uh, you know, it's the accessibility of knowledge or, you know, just sort of entertainment and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of dead space pastimes or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say that, <clears throat> I, you know, I certainly hope I don't live to regret this, but I do really appreciate the aspect of the internet that has caused elite <coughs> culture to clutch its pearls mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just these endless parade of articles um, in varieties of outlets about, you know, essentially people not knowing their place, mm. you know, that really <laughs> that the problem, the problem with the internet, the problem with the internet is that, you know, People aren't people aren't experts and are able to pretend that they're experts. <sighs> and I have to say that I, I have to say I really appreciate like the kind of the part of me that's sympathetic to trickster mentality to sort of mm-hmm. trickster worldviews really appreciates this because it's of course not what the issue is. The, the issue with the internet is not that people are posing as experts. The issue with the internet is that it is exposed gross inequality. Oh yes. <laughs> Yes, and continues. That's what the internet Mm -hmm. has done. Absolutely. That's what the internet has done. The the internet has exposed a gross global inequality in living standards uh, and and economic access, and Mm -hmm. that's what people are angry about. Like that, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. not because um, it's not because a meme made them mad. It's because (laughs) they can't afford, you know, a new car. And Pete, there's billionaire row in New York city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I appreciate, I mean, it's also, that's, it's an incredibly potent thing though. And it could, it, it could seriously damage society. You know, I don't know about destroy society. That seems probably a little too, um, apocalyptic mm. for me, but, um, but that real lasting damage can be done like the election of, of Donald Trump. I mean, you know, mm. that's, that's what, that's why that happened. Right. I mean, that's why he mm. was, uh, elected and, uh, and that's why he gained the kind of popularity that he gained. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would argue is, is the reason he gained the popularity he gained. Um, I would say in pre, pre internet though, he had a really good <laughs> reputation for being a good businessman pre internet. But if you lived in New York City, you knew what a chamois was. But they were like, oh, Trump, he's a businessman. And, you know, and then he went on to have his TV shows and so forth. But the Internet really helped him. I agree. I agree. But he. So the success, the success part, that makes perfect sense to me. But I mean, what what raised his media profile and what in what the mainstream media was kind of like snickering at, you know, because they thought everyone was in on the joke of how he wasn't a very good businessman in, uh, <laughs> uh, in New York City, because this, this was their ecosystem. Right, no. So they're like, doesn't everyone get the joke? We know this about him. But of course, the rest of the country isn't 
in New York City. Um, well said. Mm-hmm. I, you know, which, you know, reinforces the elite bubble. But it's because he he played up grievance better than any politician has. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Oh, well done. Maybe since Reagan won, you know, yeah. the first election the, the, yes. in 1980, maybe. I mean, yes. he really, he oh, really played up grievance. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yes. Absolutely. And never and has someone deep. Bef- oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Never I has just, someone what? Never has someone at positioned themselves mm-hmm. as a man of the people. Like a regular Joe with so much goddamn money. Yeah. Like I yeah. I was marveling over that like years ago going, this guy's got, and he continues to talk about how much money he has. And also, but people were like, you know, but he's yeah. one of us. And I go, which part of you is one of him? Like, what are you looking at? Aspirationally, maybe? Because that's the only thing I could come up it's with. It's how he wears the, you know, it, you know what it is? It's how he wears the money, Stephen. It's how oh. he wears the money. It's, it's. Okay. I need to so, pull that. So, so, okay. so, the, so the way to, the way to say it, I think the, the, the sort of pithy, um, maxim is Donald Trump is like a caricature of what poor people think rich people are. And yeah. that, and that's the, and the pro, part of the issue with mm-hmm. the mainstream media. I think you're, I think you are correct in this, Travis, is that a lot of, and, and I want to be careful when I say this, because when I say mainstream media, I don't just mean like MSNBC or CNN. I also mean the Joe Rogan podcast. Because oh, yeah. No, it's mainstream. mainstream now. Just, and so just, just anything just, with lots of ears. Yeah. Just, anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything absolutely. So I just want to mm-hmm. make that. I just want to make that clear to listeners. Um, people in within the who control the levers, of the, or, or people who are have the big soapboxes on top of the big stand on top of the big soapboxes have the mic, megaphones in mainstream media. Also, un, saw him as a caricature, so they assumed mm-hmm. that nobody else would take him oh, seriously. No. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and. and that part of the problem is he took himself quite seriously, and a lot of people absolutely loved the, um, the, what the, the basically the carte blanche he gave them to behave badly. Like yeah. he's like he's like no, you can't actually act without fear of consequences. So I I think his the situ- only, oh sorry ahead, his situation is very analogous to Rudy Gi- Giuliani after um, 9-11, People mm-hmm. were calling him the America's mayor. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do, do you live mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. I remember that. Do you guys live in New York City? <laughs> this is not America's mayor in any manner, shape, or form, or we're in trouble, right? And now people are starting to see what he, what kind yeah, of charlatan he's turned out to be. Well, not just turned out I'm to be, kook. but along the long, very kooky and stuff. Yeah. But I'm like, so, but yeah. that, but that language still pops in people's head. I mean, it still has, I wouldn't say resonance because yeah. you really have to believe like you really just have to surrender a hell of a lot to believe that Giuliani, Judy, Giuliani is not a criminal. You have to. You have to surrender a lot of your own um, brain power. You know, the, the part that I reserve that I don't do sports, I'm like, that's part right there. That's part. You have to surrender that part. That part. You know, just go, great. You know. And also, I don't want to pick on poor people. I want to pick on people who also, not pick on people, but I also want to highlight that there is a whole system that elevated Donald Trump, that's not solely people who don't have the means that he does, you know, in terms of people right. donating to his campaign, sure, of course. you know, um, mm-hmm. news outlets, 
politicians who knew that maybe we can get them in there and we can get what we want. And, part, you know, I'd say right. that four years they did. They, and they did. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. They did. And they, they moved. They, um, they got their Supreme, Supreme Court. They got a lot of yeah. stuff. So I want to, um, yeah. I was going to say I want to shit on them too, but I felt like, I don't know if I feel that way, but yeah, I want to shit on them too. Yeah. I don't like <laughs> So 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 I want to go back to Travis's thing. So Travis, for you, mm-hmm. the internet is ultimately a net good is what you're saying. Okay. Partly. Yeah. I, I think it is a leveler and mm. I think it's an adjutant and it's a catalyst, you know, obviously I'm throwing lots of metaphors at it, but um, mm-hmm. I think society on the other side is going to look radically different and society needed to look radically different because um, you know, the, the amount of, of wealth that had accumulated in the boomer generation mm-hmm. was, I mean, th- was the greatest accumulation of wealth in history. And that has to shake loose in some yeah. way and has to be redistributed in some way. And Absolutely. I don't mean necessarily globally. <laughs> I'm talking about just the United States. And, you know, it's, if there is, if there is a possibility for a renewed sort of democratic revival in the United States, it's going to be because the internet corroded mm. or finished demolishing a lot of these staid, um, mm. kind of ossified institutions. I like mm-hmm. that were just not that that were not. Um, you know, I mean, the New York Times, which is an institution that I have defended many and over for many many years. I'm mean, Seth knows this. Um, that has been wrong about so many major moments mm-hmm. in in U.S. history in the last 50 years, mm-hmm. 60 years, um, that I think it's due for a comeuppance. I, I think all of these institutions, network television certainly, um, mm-hmm. like new blood needs to needs to circulate into the system. Absolutely. Um, I agree with that. In the bureaucracy, in the, in the institutions, in academia. Um, and I think, I hope that this is the kind of, this is that process, right? I don't want to say the start of that process because really it started, you know, when the internet, you know, really kind of took off 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're in the midst of that process. There, there needs to be a reshuffling and a reordering um, because the society was built on a lie, right? I mean, the, the, if I can riff on it for a second, I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. the United States was built on a, on a racist lie, Mm-hmm. Uh, not only, not exclusively, right? I mean, I don't, I, do, I really do want to bracket the, the soaring language of the Declaration. I think it's important. I do want to bracket uh, aspects of the Constitution. I think it's important. I do want to bracket mm-hmm. the structure of the country. I think all of those things are important. I'm not, um, I happen, I would defend the, the two seats in the Senate, all the rest of that. So I'm just setting that aside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the metaphysics of the country, the underlying idea of the country is that all men are created equal. Not all humans are men. And, and this is. was a lie, right? Mm-hmm. And th- this was a lie. And, and so we are, we are living through the, I hope we are living through the, the wholesale uprooting and destruction of that lie. And that means, and, and now the lie has moved 
to the woke, right? So now the lie is moved over <laughs> to the woke where it's like, you know, white people are uniquely bad or uniquely evil. This is the same idea. It's the same fucking idea. Just, it just, it just, you know, put on different clothes and then shuffled its way over into this other group of people. But it's the same pernicious lie. Um, I would parse so that just I, a bit though. I, I would parse that <clears throat> just a bit and I'll tell you why. Because I think that please the first part of what people, um, usually complain about when someone is woke is identifying um, identifying injustice, right? It's mm. where people go with that that I have the issue with, right? When it's mm. not, um, mm. in some cases, and I still have some um, faith, I mean, not some faith, but I have some sympathy for people who may not be able to articulate it. But I think that when I think of wokeness, it's a blanket term that it shouldn't be blanket. It should be these people over here are doing this, and then these people mm. over here are actually saying this is injustice. So what what I think it is is someone trying to put out a, a fire, all the fires. And I, I'm like with your with your first comment about the comeuppance of these kinds of situations, these people, these institutions needs to happen. And I think wokeism is a way for people to sort of try to douse that, and also to um, misalign it. Mm. And so. Mm-hmm. It's like social justice warrior, whatever you guys can figure out. It's always, there's always mm-hmm. something that I go, mm, but what is that? That's, I, I, I don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not allowing my enemies to define what it is that people are doing. I will mm-hmm. always develop mm-hmm. it and kind of think it through. So um, that's all I wanted to say about that part. Sorry. Uh, and, and I want to say too, that the first time, the very first time I encountered the term woke was actually I think a meme on Twitter and it was either Twitter or Facebook. I think it was Twitter. And this was several years ago. This was probably three or four, four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And the joke is, or the meme was structured this way. Um, husband and wife in bed. Um, here's um, their child move about and make some noise mm-hmm. in the other room. And the woman says to her husband, um, go in there, go in there and see if the baby all right. And, it, and the way it's written, it sounds like a black family. Like mm-hmm. go in there and you know, see if the baby all right. And or somebody Southern. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, dude, you're right. Thank you. <laughs> wedge, no, you're right. Wedge, you're absolutely right. Carrot. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for that, Stephen. No worries. Um, or someone Southern. And the guy goes in, he opens the door, and the child says to him um, something like, corporations take um, use our fears against us to sell us things that we don't need. <laughs> and, and, the, and the husband comes back to, the, to bed with the wife, and he's... And, and, uh, and she's and she's like, is the baby away? And he's like, she woke as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time you wow, because that's great memory. That's the, that was my first exposure to the term. Mm. She woke AF, and I'm like, that's hilarious. And 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 for me, that's actually where what being woke started as is being like being sensitive to these ways in which. And I think Travis, you're, this is sort of like, this is kind of what you dialed up to, to, to 11, being sensitive to the ways that 
certain structures, certain institutions mm. in our culture do manipulate, do mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Uh, con- not not control, do inflect um, the ways we see the world mm-hmm. um, and and our behavior, consumerist mm-hmm. behavior, our religious behavior, our our political behavior, all of that. Like, um, so for me, it's really important to follow Stephen's lead on this and, and like parse that term and not let other people define what being woke is for, um, because it, it's become, it, 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 it's really become this sort of, um, floating signifier at this point. Those darn kids. So I, those darn kids. So I, ag- <laughs> Sorry. I agree with both. I, I agree with both of those qualifications. Like, there's no but. I, I would say, and the other people, the, the idea, like basically woke has been co-opted mm-hmm. by HR departments. Mm-hmm. Woke has Whoa, been co-opted absolutely. by corporations. Mm-hmm. What like the actual underlying idea of like sort of really waking up to, you know, kind of the, the lingering institutional and cultural inequalities mm-hmm. that divide us is a laudable philosophical goal. Yeah. But that's not, I would argue that that's no longer really what it is. And it's not because the, it's not because like the enemies have defined, I mean, it's, it's, it's been defined. If we define enemy as the corporation, then yes, they have successfully co-opted the term because, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. Microsoft in its, in its training videos, now recites we'd like to recognize that these lands are the traditional or ancestral home what? of like the Shumash or whatever. Yes. Come yes. on, capitalism, of uh, yeah. course. Of course. Yeah. Th- th- this is what, so, so it's become an HR move. It's become right. a way for, right. for ambitious mm-hmm. little capitalists mm-hmm. to jockey for a position within these massive institutions, within right. bureaucracies and within, within corporations. Right. And it has nothing at all to do with actually eliminating difference. It right. has to do with accentuating difference in order to gain status. Absolutely. Now that's I'm, I'm on board with because those corporations are not going to undo the very things. <laughs> they're they're not giving back the they're not giving back the, the land. The Shinaqua, <laughs> they're going to call the Shinaqua and go, "Come and get this land." No, they're not. That's right. yeah. <laughs> no, no, they're not going to do that. And so what? Th- that's what earlier when you were talking, I was like, "Yeah, but there's these meaningless sort of declarations that are recited at conferences and in boardrooms, mm-hmm. and also." Um, people reaching out in some cases to me to go, can you come and talk to some people about such and such? I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I have nothing. I, you should, no, no, no. Okay. Steven, let me help you. The ne- the question is how much? And then, and then you can say yes or no. You, you can't say yes or no until you tell, but, until you find out how much they're offering. I say it, I can't believe I'm about to say this is that I think I have a principle somewhere in my body. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not showing up for your shill. I'm not showing up for some, there's the black guy who made whatever it is we're doing. Okay. You know, co-signing. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's sure. not going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah of course. No. Yeah. You have integrity. I'm just, I'm just, I'm surprised I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry. Like everybody else. Give me the money. You know, so anyway, <laughs> show, show me the money. How much money can you give me? 
you know. And when you learn, but I think that what what really what I really you like said, <laughs> what I like about Walt Steven, Cook, you, hmm? can I just say sure. you said show me the money like someone who has never said that in your life. <laughs> No, I, you know what I said no, it like? I said it like Jamie Foxx making fun of Tom Cruise said it. Oh, that's, hilarious. Like, that's exactly how he did that's it. That's really funny. Yeah, he that did it. It's, just like, it's, it, it is, it's, it's like it's like like the first time a white man who's like trying to say it like a what's, black man said right, exactly. <laughs> it. Right. I hear I hear, wait, wait, it's that line from um Sanford and Son. Uh, uh, the white cop says to um says to the guys, he comes in and says, um, uh, I hear you were torn off. And the guy's like, like ripped. He's like ripped off, man. <laughs> oh, and I, I love that. Those moments. Those are cool moments, That's actually. Really funny. But what I wanted to say about woke very last, last thing is that I'm all uh-huh. for sensitive motherfucking people, right? Mm. And I'm mm. also for sensitive people articulating that sensitivity. What right. I think is that we don't have, we're, we're starting to build out, but it's still not something that's so regular, meaning mm-hmm. that we're still blaming people for their own things. So it's still not the structure of the society that we're looking at largely. We're looking at ourselves more, which is why people go into therapy more and people are like, I got to change my diet. I got to do this. I got to do that without really mm-hmm. looking at the infrastructures that continue to put upon you <laughs> in ways that it, it could be virtually impossible to fix yourself in a broken society, in a failed state. Mm. And so that's my problem mm. when it comes to people mm-hmm. going, oh, somebody's woke. You, you, deign, you deign to say that, you know, you, you were discriminated against? Well, how? Mm-hmm. And, and tell us how long. And how much money can we throw at you for you to go away? And so mm. I'm like, give me, the, give me the woke motherfucker anytime over the, 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 um, the, the institutions and people who are not willing to change. And we'll have to die off probably until they're changed. I mean, mm-hmm. until those things have changed. So mm-hmm. I'm down with the woke people. I, I defend them, but not the ones that are stupid and not the ones that are co-opting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like that. And I want to quote that. I'm down with the woke people. I defend them except for the ones who are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Eloquent. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, no, no. Well said. Seth, do you want to have the last word? Uh, just that I think... The main reason I chose this topic for today is that I just feel like the last, I don't know, couple months, maybe, I don't know, maybe it feels like a, a COVID hangover. Um, mm. uh, last several months, it's just been a lot of haranguing in, in the podcast, a lot of like back and forth, a lot mm. of like mm-hmm. contesting things that really do need to be contested. I, I'm not backing away from that. I think that the things that we talk about are really important and that if we mm-hmm. bring to these discussions a good deal of fervor, intellectual curiosity, and willingness to um, die on certain principled hills, I think that that's, mm. that's, that's mm-hmm. probably what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, also there, just mo- there needs to be moments where we just kind of appreciate that there is a field of flowers available mm-hmm. to us and that we can mm-hmm. actually walk through that field and mm. lay mm-hmm. down in it. Oh, that's and, nice. Yeah. And we need to do that every now and again. Yeah. You know, it's funny oh, earlier God. in the, I know I said last word, but I just want to piggyback on what you said. We used to do a lot more of that. We would, you know, we would have, episodes on poetry mm-hmm, and we would talk, mm-hmm. you know, just a lot. 
maybe we should, you know, I know you're going, you're going out of town for the next month, but maybe we should talk about shaking it up a little bit and having maybe some more thematic organization mm-hmm. to, to not, not that we don't do themes, but you know what I mean? So like, yeah. you know, maybe we can riff off of works or poems or short essays or something like that. Yeah, I like that. I yeah. like that. Yeah. I think it was just the tenor of the times really. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. We felt yeah. responsible to respond to it. And also, you know, we were going through personal things. A lot of us went through, we all went through some shit, mm-hmm. do you know? For sure. You know, so, For sure. So yeah. 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 So should I mention to listeners that I'm going to be gone from the podcast for a little while because I'm taking off to try to write the first chapter of my memoir. I'm going to be in the Bahamas for a month. I leave on the 1st of September and hopefully return on the 31st. Um, and then my October gets a little bit crazy. Um, but uh, I will miss talking with my brothers in arms and I'm looking forward to coming back. So it'll be a few weeks and then you'll hear my voice again, hopefully. You are going to write that chapter. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Uh, uh, Steven, I was thinking, I was thinking about what we should talk about. I have an idea for the next one, which is um, mm-hmm. why don't we each share kind of the, the kookiest idea that we've ever flirted with believing like like that you 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 entertained a little too long or you like read a few too many books about it and then you know like before you're like ah no this this can't be right oh no no you're definitely right and i have two answers already in my brain so but definitely yeah i'm looking forward to that i've got a good one actually i have from when i was younger so uh i think it might be kind of a fun i i thought we could try and do something just kind of you know odd and different uh Mm -hmm. so no, I like uh, that for, idea. For Since it'll just be the two of us, so. No, I like that. Um, okay, all right. Well, Seth, was, I'll we'll miss you, and uh, we'll see you in you know a month and change. Yes, yep. please enjoy yourself. Good. All right, thank you. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.